This week on Phone Calls with Clever People, we're talking all things culture. And today's guest is my friend and author, Fiona Robertson. While many leaders know culture is the defining factor in performance, Fiona told me recently that many people still don't know how to identify or change it. And I absolutely agree. Fiona has a great new book that defines culture as the rules of belonging. I thought it would be great to dig deeper on this and have a clever conversation about culture. Hi everyone and welcome to Phone Calls with Clever People. My name's Shane Hatton. I'm a speaker, author and mentor from Melbourne, Australia and I'm passionate about all things leadership and communication. I realized recently that I know some really clever people in my network and I thought it would be a fun idea to be able to take some of their cleverness and share it with the rest of the world. Now through the wonders of technology, I'm broadcasting my phone calls with clever people just for you. And really the premise is quite simple. I just want to be able to ask great questions of talented people to help us all become more effective leaders. Today's guest, Fiona Robertson, is an expert in organizational leadership, culture, and teamwork. She's got a great new book coming out called Rules of Belonging, helping people to make sense of culture, what it is, how we can change it, and ultimately change our results. It's so great to have you, Fiona. A big warm welcome to you. Thank you so much, Shane. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to this conversation, um, but I, I thought it'd be a fun place to start. Um, I do every week this idea of fast facts, and fast facts are essentially uh, three questions. Number one, uh, where were you born? Number two, um, what was your first job? And number three, what do you do with yourself now? Well, I was born right here in Melbourne, Australia. So um, I've lived in some other countries, but uh, but you know came back home. Um, I, my very first job, I think it was, uh, I was a checkout chick at Coles Supermarket in Doncaster Shopping Town a million years ago. Um, and that was a really uh, Probably a less than optimal experience, I have to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just, I'm just not good at, uh, at at repetitive tasks. My boredom threshold is way too low. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> what I'm doing now, so um, I'm an independent consultant, uh, speaker, author, uh, coach, and facilitator for leaders and business owners who want to create cultures that people really belong to. So. Mm, I love That's that. And you're, you're selling yourself a little bit short there because we obviously do, we also don't like talking ourselves up a lot, but you've had a, an extensive background in leadership and culture, right? I was looking at your bio on your website and of course, it's always the go-to place when you're trying to learn a little bit more about somebody's background. And we know each other, I guess, at a personal level, but I was looking through your, your website and seeing some of the people that you've worked with, some of the things that you've done. And tell me about your experience that, that led you down the pathway of, of talking about culture. Yeah, look, it was a little bit of a circuitous path. Um, my early career was as a communications consultant, so uh, a lot of sort of media relations and issues management and crisis management sort of stuff. Um, I was in London for eight years and I worked for a, a big um, multinational consulting firm called Ogilvy uh, and got to do a lot of multi-country work with them, um, and that was really interesting work. Uh, did my MBA over at 
London Business School, which was um, incredible brain food. And in fact, that that term brain food has become the, the title of my email newsletter because I just loved every second of being there. Um, and then back to Australia. Uh, and that was when I started to work um, in the sort of culture field and became an organisational development consultant and joined the National Australia Bank, ran their market research function for a while and, and ultimately became head of culture there. Mm. Um, and one of the most interesting pieces of work at that organisation was rolling out a set of values and trying to embed them in the performance management system and then did some groundwork on what became the purpose. So some interesting work. Yeah, and and obviously work that's led and kind of pointed to you the, to the work that you're doing today in the culture space. Now, I want to start the conversation because culture is this, uh, it's almost a bit of a unicorn in the sense that we, we kind of talk about it all the time, but you can't see it. People find it really hard to define. Um, everybody's got a definition of it. Um, I'm actually writing, uh, in the process of writing uh, my next book, and part of it is around the cultural conversations that we have. And and I often describe culture as having a bit of a dark side because when you talk about culture publicly, everybody seems to have an opinion on it, on what it is and what it's not. And it's really complicated. Why do we make culture so complicated? Oh, honestly, I could not agree more. The um, I think culture is one of the most uh, widely discussed and widely misunderstood concepts in business today. Mm. As you say, everyone knows it's important, but they don't even really know what it is. Um, it's a bit like the matrix, you know. Yeah. If you don't know there's anything to see, you don't see anything. Um, but the minute you know there's something to see, you can't you can't not see it. Mm. Um, so that's one of the reasons why uh, I have defined culture as the rules of belonging. Mm. I think it's a concept that helps people understand really what it is that we're talking about. Um, and I think it's important too to distinguish it from employee engagement. Mm. So um, many, many leaders I speak to say, yes, don't worry, we're measuring culture. We've got an engagement survey. Mm -hmm. um, and I try to explain to them that culture is the, is the underlying system of behaviours and engagement is an employee's experience of that system. And those two things are just not the same thing. So yeah. there's a lot of work that gets done to make people feel better and more engaged, but that doesn't actually change the underlying rules of what it takes to belong in this particular group at this particular time. Yeah, it's a bit like cause and effect, right? If you were to, to go, what is the cause um, that's underlying that results in the effect of engagement, right? We're talking about culture. This is this intangible thing that surrounds us all the time when our, in our homes or in our workplace environment. But then the engagement is the way that we, uh, that, that affects the way we show up in that environment. Um, is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah, and and absolutely. The um, the the one of the nuances that people struggle with is that they think that culture is only about behaviour. Mm. They forget that the interpretation of behaviour is incredibly important. So I've seen environments where the identical behaviour will be interpreted in wildly different ways. Um, you know, a behaviour that might earn belonging in one place will lose it in another. And so it's not just the behaviour, it's the way people respond to the behaviour and the imp impact that behaviour has. And that's the kind of thing that engagement surveys never measure. So no one ever asks you an engagement survey when the boss sacked Harry. Do you think the boss sacked Harry because they didn't like Harry or because Harry was not uh, behaving in an ethical manner? And whichever interpretation there is, that will determine how people respond, not the, the, you know, the behaviour of sacking Harry. 
Mm. Now, our response to it, which ultimately is going to determine and shape the culture that we're in, 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 in right? Um, I remember being in an, in an environment once where um, it was it was not necessarily appropriate culturally um, to swear. And I remember letting out a swear word and the response on people's faces around me let me know really quickly that that was not part of the culture. And you learn culture really quickly um, when you do something that almost... Um, comes into contact with or bumps against that culture based on how people respond, right? Totally. So, in fact, we have um, an evolutionary superpower around this because the human brain has essentially not changed for something like 80,000 years. And back then, if we weren't a member of a group, we would literally die. So because our brain has not changed in that time, um, our brain is constantly telling us, if you don't belong here, you will die. And so we're very, very finely attuned to the responses that we get to our behavior. And in that example you just gave, swearing in that environment lost belonging. Mm. You could tell on people's faces immediately. Um, And there are other environments where if you don't swear, you lose belonging, Mm. right? So it's not about that behaviour. It's about the response to the behaviour, the interpretation of it. And we're so very good at immediately knowing, you know, have we done something that improves or increases our belonging or loses it? And those are the rules of belonging. And once you see them, you can never unsee them again. Yeah, I really like the the metaphor that you used before of the matrix. It's like once you see something, it's really hard to to unsee that. It's like when you've when you're in a conversation with somebody and they've got a bit of food between their teeth, and <laughs> you, you've left it a little bit too long, and you, you you should have told them a lot earlier than what you did, and then now it's all you can see. It, no matter how hard you try to engage in the conversation, all you can see is that piece of food between a person's teeth, right? And and one of the nature, one of the aspects, I guess, of culture is it's this really intangible um, force that exists within our organizations. I often, um, I heard it once described a little bit like um, toxic culture is a bit like carbon monoxide. You know, you can't see it, but it can be suffocating your people and it can be um, undermining all the work that you're doing and you can not even be aware of it or realize it. And so you talk about this idea of when we, we can't see it, but then when we see it, we can't unsee it. Um, so what tips us over that point to how we actually can see culture or how do we make culture um, accessible and tangible for people? So um, that's why uh, the the language of rules of belonging is is what I've kind of latched onto because mm. I think um, enough people now that I've spoken to go, oh, I understand what you're talking about when you say what is the rules of belonging in this place. Mm. And when you think about them that way, then you suddenly start to notice them. So if you ask yourself the question, what does it take to belong in this team, particularly if you're the leader of the team, ask yourself the question, what earns belonging in my team and what loses belonging in my team? Mm. And I guarantee that just by asking yourself that question, you will start to notice. Um, you can also ask uh, a new person. New people have you know, come into a group with fresh eyes and they'll notice all sorts of things that we don't notice when we've been there. You know, once you kind of go native um, in a team, then you stop seeing it. It's, it's a bit like that old cartoon with the two fish in the fishbowl and mm. one says to the other, how's the water and the second one says well what's water you know when you're in it you can't see it but when you're fresh when you have fresh eyes you will notice um what earns and loses belonging and you know if a new person is brave enough to give you a a genuine answer to that question then that is what your rules of belonging are and if you change those rules then you will change your culture wow 
Like even that one question, if you took one question away from even our conversation that we're having today is to ask ourselves, what are the rules of belonging that people experience when they come into our team or organization? That in itself could, that could be a whole team day offsite, right? You could spend a whole day just asking that question and actually analyzing that question, right? I uh, was working with a client not long ago who uh, did exactly that. She asked her people, what does it take to belong in this place? Mm. Now, she was leading a very large public school and she discovered that one of the rules of belonging in their group was to be cynical about the government. <laughs> so if you're not cynical about the government, you don't belong in this group. And she realised how, um, you know, that was undermining a whole lot of efforts that she was making to change other things. Um, and just identifying that has shifted everything for her team. Yeah, wow. And, and thanks for, I think that's a really practical example and a, and a great application of, the, of that concept and um, of being able to actually articulate um, can be really challenging. What are, what are our rules? And um, have you got any, any other examples like of, of some rules of belonging that people might have either at home or in their organization or anything that comes uh, to mind? There are so many. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites is, um, uh, is a rule around here that we are nice to our colleagues. Now, if I could do air quotes um, over the phone. <laughs> I'll do them I for would. you on the screen. <laughs> okay. So nice, right? Nice. nice is one of those words that means that we nod and smile in the room and we say, yes, we'll do what we have just agreed. And then we go out of the room and we do whatever we're going to do anyway. Mm. So false harmony. It's just corrosive because it means that everything is slowed down. We can't trust our colleagues. We can't do healthy conflict and really discuss issues openly. It slows everything down. It's a mm -hmm. disaster. So the rules of belonging for that is that when you come and be a part of our team, we're nice to one another, but we're not real with one another. And the, this, the, the, the toxic nature of that can undermine a, a team environment really quickly, right? Yes. And so, you know, once you've identified that, having an explicit conversation about it is absolutely critical. Mm. So, you know, if you were the leader of the team, you would literally say, guys, it appears to me that this is has become, you know, a rule of belonging in this team and we need to change it because we need to execute our strategy more quickly and therefore we will now make it a new rule that the way to belong in this team is to say it like it is. You know, we'll play the ball and not the man, but we need to uh, we need to have, you know, frank and 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 genuine and real brave conversations. Mm. Otherwise we're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, I'll often say to people that you you can't change what you won't own, which is that idea that if you if you don't take responsibility for those rules of belonging and own them and say, hey, we've actually got them. First, first and foremost, acknowledge their existence, that the rules are there and then own them and say, what can we do now to change them? And the challenge is often that they sit below the surface. And I, I often describe them as the unspoken spokens, which is that sense of there's a there's a rule that we have that nobody's talking about and nobody's um, actually we all ad adhering to, but nobody even will dare mention out loud because we're not really sure if we could mention it out loud yet somehow it's come becomes an, an expectation, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I think of it as you have to notice before you can choose, right? Mm. It's a very similar idea. Um, if you don't even notice, then you're just going about your business, not realizing what's even going on, uh, which is what happens most of the time. Culture changes all the time. Um, it either happens by accident or it happens deliberately. Mm. So first you have to notice, then you choose. And then as you rightly say, you own it 
um, and then you can change it. Mm. And if you don't do that, then yeah, you'll just carry on blundering around and it's all changing by accident. Um, and I think the other point to make here is that um, the connection with strategy is absolutely critical. So I see so many leaders who spend so much time developing strategy. And, of course, right at the moment in the world, just about every organisation is rethinking its strategy in some, you know, some way. Um, but very rarely do they ask the question, do we have the culture to execute this strategy? Mm. And then on the other side of the coin, lots and lots of people doing work around culture, which usually means employee engagement, uh, which is all about trying to make people feel good, but never asks, you know, in the service of which strategy. Yeah. So the intersection between the two is where genuine performance really happens. Yeah, I really like the metaphor that I heard that was the idea of the dirty plate. I'm not sure if you've heard this. The idea that if you go out to a fancy restaurant, you're really looking forward to a beautiful meal and the chef brings you out this, you know, beautiful steak and, a, you know, a delicious meal or, you know, eggplant um, something for the people who don't eat steak. Um, they bring it out, they put it on a plate, but they've given you this delicious meal on the previous patron's dirty plate. It's this idea that we can have a beautiful strategy, but culture, if it's not, uh, if it's toxic, becomes that dirty plate. And so no matter how great our strategy is, it changes the experience for everybody if we don't sort out culture first. Totally. And I mean, the, uh, the, the rules of belonging will trump any strategy that you ever write. Mm. So if you if you write a strategy and you don't have the culture to execute it, you've basically got a piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, because our evolutionary, you know, we, we are hardwired, our brains are hardwired to keep us safe, and they do that by making sure that we belong. Mm. And so most of us don't even realise that this is going on, but it's happening all the time. And so, you know, if you're given a choice between following something on a piece of paper and keeping yourself safe, you will keep yourself safe every single time. Mm. So the challenge is it's got to be safer to do the behaviours that you want to execute your strategy than it was to do the behaviours you were getting before you identified what the right ones were. Mm, I love that. Um, and again, these questions I think that you're posing to us today, which are questions around what are the rules of belonging and do we have the culture to be able to execute these strategies? These are really potent questions. If we ask them, we, we can do some really great work here. And I guess what I would love to touch on a little bit as we're kind of, you know, coming in to, to wrap up this conversation is, you know, I, I heard a great stat that um, from Gallup that said that 20% of the top 20% of performers um, in an interview will ask questions about culture. So when we get culture right, we're actually attracting that top 20% of people that we're, we're trying to attract within our organization. And there's benefits to culture, right? Um, what do you think are some of the big benefits to getting culture right? Because why, why should we make it such a priority in our organizations or in our teams? Oh, it's, it has a massive impact. So, um, I think there's just about everybody who has worked in a team or for an organization where they genuinely put their heart and soul into everything they did because they believed passionately in why they were doing it. They worked with an amazing group of fantastic people and they really genuinely wanted to belong in that place and with those people. And if you remember how hard you worked when you felt like that, imagine if all of your employees 
were working that hard for your business. Mm. It can absolutely turbocharge your results. And the contrary is also true. If there are a whole lot of people who just don't care and don't want to be there and don't want to belong, then they're just keeping themselves safe by, you know, in survival mode and your business will, you know, limp along and 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 never reach its full potential. Mm. It's almost it can stunt the growth and capacity of a team or an organization if we're not getting the culture right. It's a bit like drag. It's this drag in the organization that's, uh, I think, like you described, causing us to limp forward uh, when we could actually be sprinting forward or moving forward at a faster pace. Um, and so one of the things I'd love to finish on is, you know, many people who are going to be listening to this either now or later on. Um, are going to be almost hitting that tipping point of going, okay, I've just asked the question, what are our rules of belonging here? And now all of a sudden I've seen the matrix and I've seen either toxic culture or I've seen rules that we don't want. And now I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed by the decision to have to change something. It can feel a bit like turning the Titanic in, in some organizations. What do you think is a really practical next step that a person could take? Now, I, I personally would say to reach out and connect with you, um, but we'll get to that in a, in a moment. But I would say what's, what's something practically a person could do as a next step to start this kind of process around culture? So um, having explicit conversations is the absolutely, I mean, there's no point noticing it if you don't then start to have the conversation with your team. So if you're the leader of the team, make specific space, like create time to have a conversation that is just about that. Mm. Um, Start by asking those questions, as you said before, what does it take to earn belonging in this place and lose belonging? And then, you know, which of these behaviours is helping us and which is hindering us? Mm. And try to identify the ones that are helping the most. Let's celebrate and reinforce those. And are hindering the most, let's talk about them, devise um, uh, specific but observable behaviours that are different and then celebrate whenever anybody does them. It'll feel a bit weird and clunky at the Mm. beginning. That's how you know you're doing it right. Fiona, I feel like I could have this conversation with you all day because I feel like in many ways we've just scratched the surface around culture. Um, And again, it is this huge topic, but at the same time, it is also relatively simple in terms of being able to create a culture by design or like you said, um, not accidentally, but deliberately. Um, I think there's some decisions, really practical things that we can take away and decisions that we can make that will really help us start that conversation happening. And so um, I want to wrap up here, but you've got a great book coming out actually called Rules of Belonging. Um, and it's coming out uh, the 1st of July. Is that right? Yes, that's the sort of trade release when it hits bookshops. Yes, congratulations. It's such a big achievement putting a book out into the world and sharing your knowledge with the world. And I know that the book will be full of a whole lot of content because you post um, weekly videos and, and your your brain food through your newsletter, which is always value packed in terms of content. And so um, we always like to say thank you um, on the show by encouraging people to reach out and connect with you on LinkedIn, which is a really great place to start. Sign up for your newsletter because you're putting out content all the time, which is fantastic. Um, and also, most importantly, get hold of a copy of the book, um, Rules of Belonging, um, which you can find at Fiona Roberts. And, um, and obviously when it comes out in bookstores as well, it'll be a really great way to support you. Um, and of course, if there's anything that you're doing as an organization to, to do working culture, um, having somebody who uh, can help open up the eyes of your team or your organization to the matrix like Fiona is a really great place to start. And so Fiona, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure, Shane. Thanks for having me. That's it for another week of phone calls with clever people. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast. 
Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released. And of course, I'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews. Have a fantastic week. 